Hey there, and welcome to the memoir my dad wouldn't write. This is a limited series of conversations between a daughter and a father about the things that make us family and the items in my dad's 80 years that have helped to shape who he is today. You know, he's had this incredible life as a cultural worker, poet, professor, an activist, and mentor, but he wouldn't write a memoir. So this podcast is a way to get those conversations on to tape and to find out exactly what shaped this incredible and complex and far from perfect man that I love, Eugene Benjamin Redmond. If you've ever wondered what it would be like to be radically honest with your father and to hold no bars, well, sit back and enjoy. I think you're going to find this fascinating. When I, uh, <clears throat> after my mother died in 1947, um, <clears throat> as I said before, I went to live with my uh, grandmother, mm-hmm. crossing the uh, tracks from Rust City to the South End on Colas, 1322 Colas. And um, my brother went into, the family was split up. Mm-hmm. Okay, so... Five of us went with my grandmother, Lenora, mm-hmm. Anita Redmond, uh, Alma Grace Redmond, uh, Venice C. We changed her name to Vanessa, Ven- but it was Venice C. Arlington Redmond mm-hmm. and Catherine Joan Redmond. Mm-hmm. And, and so, these, all these sisters were younger than you. Except for Lenora. Except for Lenora. Yeah. Okay. And <clears throat> the... Ooh, that was a lot. Yeah. So we were your grandmother yeah. your grandmother inherited a lot. So <laughs> Okay. The family was split up. Mm-hmm. My brother John, who was seventeen, I'm nine, my brother John went into the Navy almost immediately. Mm-hmm. Now he was working though for a Greek man named Chris Polis. Mm-hmm. And when you hear Polis in Greek, you know, they're like two, three, four of the syllables in that last name. Right. But anyway, Greek Polis, I mean, uh, Chris Polis. And so they just went temporarily with my father. My father lived in St. Louis mm-hmm. and was working. Uh, Burnett went, Burnett and my other older brother went with my father in St. Mm-hmm. Louis. And there was frequent contact between us for a period of time until my father, uh, you know, got in trouble with, with law. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Was framed, as my, everybody said. Mm-hmm. He was framed, and, uh, and then he went on the run. He lived in Cairo, Illinois. Mm-hmm. From, that, from that period to the time he died in 1975. Interesting. So we knew it. He would come under the cover of darkness to see us. Right. And this is taking a very biblical turn. It is. It is. <laughs> and He's <clears throat> fleeing yeah. a regime. That's right. <laughs> let my let my people go. Yeah. <laughs> <clears throat> and uh now 
the two older sisters, Ethel, uh, who would have been 18, because mm-hmm. Ethel was born in 28. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So she'd have been 19. My, my, uh, my, my, my uh, yeah, 28. And so my mother died in, in, uh, uh, in 1947. So Ethel would have been on her way to being 19. Because mm-hmm. this was in the summer, this was May. In May. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> so, interestingly enough, May got a streetcar to Lincoln every day for a year to finish school. Lincoln. So she would read the ride the streetcar yeah. from St. Louis. From St. Louis, from North St. Louis. Uh, on the on the west side of the Mississippi River. That's right. And cross the river. That's right. And she would have to walk, you know, walk the street streetcar, then walk, and then. Get and cross the river by streetcar, sometimes walk over the river, mm-hmm. and then come to Lincoln. Now, at that time, Lincoln was at, was close to the river, the 10th Street. I showed you, know, where Lincoln Middle School is now. Right. Okay. So, and, and, and that's what, a, that's what, a school that Miles uh, uh, came. Uh, that Miles Davis. Yeah, that Miles Davis uh, attended. And she w- knew Miles because Lincoln was a six through 12th grade okay. until 1949 when <coughs> excuse me when the new Lincoln was built on Bond where I finished mm-hmm. and then that Lincoln on Broadway 10th and Broadway where Lincoln Middle School is now was turned into and the one that uh, you know Miles graduated from mm-hmm. so that was turned into Hughes Quinn Junior High School, and Hughes and Quinn were principals at Lincoln. Mm-hmm. In fact, Hughes was one of the first principals. I mean, were early principals at Lincoln. The place where she could now, walk across the river is that still yeah. present? Yeah. Which bridge is that? Uh, it was the uh, it was uh, the the Eads Bridge, or it was either Eads Bridge. Is that the one that has a walking path next? Built onto it? Uh, no, that's King, right? Yeah, King had the, had the walking back. And then there was another bridge but that, that was called the MacArthur. It was uh-huh. called the Black Bridge, right? Right. Yeah, so... And it's not there anymore? Yeah. Or it, it is there? It's not used. Used train, it's, but not the bridge itself, not, oh, not the roadway. okay. Not for cars. Okay. And uh, I need to show you that, too. Because mm-hmm. yeah, it drops right down at 10th and Bond. And then... There, she would have just walked straight up, straight up to Broadway. Oh wow! I'll show you that, yeah. But <clears throat> interesting. So they went to live with my uncle. Right. My uncle Ben. The one after who's my middle name. Right, okay. Benjamin. Okay. And it, it was gang era, big time gangs in the cities mm-hmm. of America at the time, mm-hmm. and that sometimes dies down. But it's always there right. to varying degrees. Right, cyclical. Of, uh, yeah, of, uh, of danger and support mm-hmm. and help. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And one of the things we did in the 60s, we specialized in, was raising the consciousness of gangs mm-hmm. and turning gangs into revolutionary armies, mm-hmm. you know, cultural armies. Mm-hmm. You know. Mm-hmm. And many of them became poets. Right. Like uh, Peace Stone and Blackstone Nation right. in Chicago where Gwen 
did did poetry workshop with mm-hmm. him, writing workshop. Mm-hmm. Anyway, <clears throat> so that uh, that happened. So I ended up with five girls, mm-hmm. and I was the oldest. I was like, at six. I had six sisters, so I was halfway between them. Mm-hmm. Three girls older and three girls younger. Mm-hmm. So the men put into me how to look after the girls. Mm-hmm. Since, since there were uh, uh, three under me, mm-hmm. uh, you know. Uh, <clears throat> and so when my father fled to Cairo, that meant that my male development was in the hands of men at the Seventh-day Adventist Church, like Hudlin, mm-hmm. the Hudlin brother's father, mm-hmm. uh, Mr. Rufus Starks, uh, Mr. Chester Higgins, mm-hmm. um, a whole bunch of different, okay. So I had these intellectual, these professional men who dressed, and then I had the underworld men. Mm-hmm. And they were- in- The ones whom your brother thought yeah, you were you were. Yeah, uh, he would always come to me and say, deifying too yeah, much. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but you know, I I would see movies. Mm-hmm. You know, you weren't supposed to go to movies as a Seventh Day Adventist, <clears throat> but because I babysat mm-hmm. or visited friends or visit visited older siblings, mm-hmm. I had an opportunity to see movies or mm-hmm. see something on TV, mm-hmm. which we didn't have initially. Mm-hmm. Okay, so. <clears throat> So, so my my development, looking at men, and there were there were gay men, mm-hmm. you know, uh, there were men who had been uh, wounded in the army and they had one leg or one and a half legs. Mm-hmm. There were men who uh, were sexual vagrants, mm-hmm. and they just <laughs> they were just looking to have sex with women and girls. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, there were men who were boxers and the sparring partners of well-known popular boxers were the bouncers in the clubs. Mm-hmm. And so these men uh, <clears throat> would let me stand after I would go into a club, make my rounds, sell my papers, and maybe drop down in shiny shoes. You have a kit. And put one foot at a time. Mm-hmm. Another foot. Yeah. Did you build your kit? Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> and um, so, and we had shop mm-hmm. uh, at junior high school and high school. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there you so, could use wood to build your kit right. and be yeah. entrepreneurial. Yeah, and I would build my mm-hmm. grandmother stuff like uh, uh, a. Uh, Bookends, mm-hmm. and my grandmother read a lot, and we had an encyclopedia and all these compendiums to the Bible, mm-hmm. a whole bunch of books that the Seventh-day Adventists demanded that you read in order to understand the Bible. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And and uh, she never was partnered. There was no boyfriend. No, or no, no, no. No girlfriend. Yeah, oh yeah, she had some some very tight girlfriends. But not romantic. No, but one of my one of the women who influenced me greatly, probably the most deafening influence on me outside of my mother and grandmother was Lady Bird. 
That's my grandmother's best friend. Mm -hmm. She lived in the house behind the house next door to us. Mm -hmm. To our left is your face doll house. Mm -hmm. Ladybird. And she was the one that told me to travel every day. Really? Before you marry, before you settle down with a with girl, you travel, you see the world. Don't you get caught up in all this? All the time. Mm. <clears throat> Isn't so, that forward thinking? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Lady Bird. Was she a teacher or? No, no. I mean, she was like a day worker, but very intelligent. Mm -hmm, she mm -hmm. was intelligent on the level of a teacher. You know mm -hmm, how you, yeah. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> um, so, go, so anyway, the, mm -hmm. men, the men, there were all kinds of men around. And... Um, I remember seeing a lot of men wearing World War II coats. Mm. And they were heavy and they were, you know, warm. So a lot of men wore those overcoats. So World a community of, of veterans. Of veterans. That yeah, was very yeah, present. Yeah. The most yeah. recent war. Yeah. And then, of course, the, the uh, uh, Korean War started. So you saw that. <coughs> were people so, political about war or pragmatic? Like, just, um, just pragmatic. Pragmatic. Remember, yeah, yeah. Every once in a while, somebody would say, you'd hear somebody. Now, there were corners, and there were spots underneath the bridge where men and some women espoused, uh, you know, Garvey principles. Mm -hmm. And uh, the principles of the he he black Hebrews. Mm -hmm. And the principles of uh, the Moors. Mm -hmm. Where the Moors. And uh, just, uh, you know... Doubters, mm -hmm. you know, who said, uh, you know, don't go over to that church and <laughs> and and be worship worshiping no white Jesus, mm -hmm. you know. And then the Campbell and other such craziness yeah. like that. <laughs> exactly. And the Campbell family, and the Campbell family, their father would say, you know, I put these, uh, I put these. Uh, 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 pork chops on the table. Mm -hmm. Ain't no fat white man came down that chimney and put no gifts under this table, <laughs> under this tree. You know, so <clears throat> and so he was iconoclastic, and he turned out a bunch of sons and daughters were very wary of, and they, I was very close to that family. Mm -hmm. Took naps over there. The Campbell went, family. The Campbell took naps over there and ate, mm -hmm. yeah. and that's why I was sneaking eat pork. <laughs> And uh, and then and then forbidden and, fruit. And then and then tossing <laughs> my sleep half the night, and have nightmares about going to hell because uh, I ate some pork. Mm -hmm. Anyway, <clears throat> what do you what then, do you, what do you think was expected of men? Uh, then yeah, what was expected at of that men? time? Men did uh, what uh, what became the stereotype of men in, on television. Mm -hmm. I mean, men were, quote, men, mm -hmm. real men. Mm -hmm. And so women did some of the, women did some hard work at home. Mm -hmm. Like you see women boiling water in pots, you know, so they could, you know, wash clothes, mm -hmm. so they could uh, get, get white clothes whiter. Mm -hmm. You know, you see women um, uh, pruning trees. You could see, I mean, women would be doing some things that uh, that in some families only men did, mm -hmm. but the men 
The men always took care of the stove. They always cleaned the stove. They stoked the fire, banked the fire at night mm-hmm. so that it stayed it stayed warm for as long as it could. Right. And then you just bed it down with as much cover as you could mm-hmm. in zero and sub-zero weather. So like the Hayden poem, Those Winter that's, Sundays. That's right, Those Winter Sundays, exactly. The chronic Love. angers. Precise. precise, precise. <laughs> mm-hmm. And so <clears throat> I remember that. And I also remember men showing up, walking long distances in bad weather, because you didn't have refrigerators, mm-hmm. and you had ice boxes, and it would only stay so long, because mm-hmm. you know it wouldn't, even an ice box wouldn't keep stuff for, for you know the seven day rule. Right. So, <clears throat> so anyway, and I remember men, men. Uh, Tracking and trucking, as they would say, mm-hmm. in the cold, going to the store to get something uh, to eat, mm-hmm. you know, or going down on a railroad track and picking up lumps of coal between coal deliveries, mm. because so much coal pass pass uh, through our neighborhood, and and stuff fell off of the box car, mm-hmm. you know, off, off of those. Open cars, mm-hmm. and so you could, you could any time you could go up to where, um, go up to the track and find lumps of coal. Mm. Not on, not to mention stealing coal, right? Crocus actual coal when the trains were parked like all night mm-hmm. or for an hour. Yeah, and uh, so I remember men doing that, and that was the boys' job. And we all we could, I I could go up almost any time and get a sack full of coal off the tracks mm-hmm. from stuff that had just fallen from, uh, because uh, when, the, when the trains jarred, those couplings, like that. Mm-hmm. So you might have a bushel of coal just torn off because the coal often was bold, you know, it was like higher than... Right, piled up the, in the, the train the actual, car. Yeah. The, yeah. And at the... At the uh, a mound top of, of it. Yeah, with my, mm-hmm. right. So... Uh, men doing that, but you know, you <coughs> men know what, finding wood, mm-hmm. men finding dead trees and chopping them, chopping them down. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, whenever they changed the cross ties on the tracks, mm-hmm. those logs that the tracks rested on, mm-hmm. the tracks rested on, they would throw them down off the bridge. And as I was saying, to, you know, you on the tour, mm-hmm. we would run out and mark them with chalk. Mm-hmm. And when they finished, because it was very dangerous, when they finished, then we had to saw up. The men had to saw up the, the logs. And, boy, you had like a yard full of wood, you know. Yeah. And um, so. But back, <clears throat> back to the coal, what it made me, mm-hmm. what I'm thinking of when you talk about the coal is how unhealthy it is for your lungs. Of course. And, and it paid off later when I was uh when I went to California, they asked me had I been around coal. Mm-hmm. They could see and it. And I told them the men worked in the mine. They drove like 30 miles to a mine. And also every day, every day I broke coal lumps mm-hmm. and put them in a stove. You know, because when coal was delivered, sometimes the lump would be that big. Oh, my dad is holding his hands together yeah. about the size of a shoebox. Yeah. So one lump, right? So you mm-hmm. had to break it. They wouldn't get it fit into the stove. Mm-hmm. I mean, the eyes weren't that big. So you had to... Um, you had to break up the coal, and then you needed certain coal for certain. I mean, you became an expert on uh, how uh, small lumps 
middle side law, mm -hmm. large law, mm -hmm. banking coal. You had to sit between slate and coal. Some coal had slate in it, so you had to break that out because it wouldn't burn. Mm. Slate, you know, was like almost like iron. So there's a so, whole vocabulary that goes away when different kinds of technologies emerge and exactly, replace something. Exactly. And so if you wanted to, if you wanted to flash fire, to fry some egg. Mm -hmm. Then you didn't need coal. Mm -hmm. You just needed some some paper and and kindling mm -hmm. to, to heat those those front irons, mm -hmm. you know. Um, and then if you needed to cook a stew, mm -hmm. a long yeah, you needed bigger coal heat, yeah, and deep and and d deeper burning, longer burning, right? So but that, but and you that, could really you could you could uh, you could get a whipping <laughs> for not making the white fire, especially if you had guests, mm -hmm. you know, and people are expecting it. <laughs> right, they're expecting something to happen, and yeah. you haven't made it happen. Yeah. But you know what? You just made me think about. There's a correlation there between maleness and the cold because a whole vocabulary has gone away. And now we do things a little differently. Right. And it seems like within these last couple of years, you know, people have been talking about the hashtag Me Too movement um, and talking about um, gender, um, talking about the expansion of notions of gender. So it's interesting to talk to you about maleness and how you experience maleness against the backdrop of all of this contention now around all gender Precisely. and roles. Precisely. Do you feel like men today are unsure, are um, on unsure footing? Yes. Hmm. Yes, yes, very much so. Uh, and it started, you know, it started initially, <clears throat> you know, the feminist movement, mm -hmm. the women's movement, <laughs> And I thought that uh, Alice Walker put some, brought some, some clarity to it by talking about the difference between uh, womanism and feminism. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> okay. <clears throat> and don't don't get us caught up in the feminine feminine mystique uh, aspect. Don't, right, which don't, is don't get what, <laughs> don't get us caught up in it. Although everybody, I mean, we were all reading the feminine mystique. Right, we were all listening to that in the early sixties. You know, you know the dawn of all of this. Um, <clears throat> right, not the yes. not the bourgeois exactly, uh, exactly. white woman's ennui because uh, the the white man that she has idolized and been taught yeah. to seek everything from won't let her leave the house and work. Whereas black women had always left the house. That's and right. Work. And that's why. So our feminism was going to be different. Exactly. The issues were going to be different. Right. And that's what B. Richards says in uh, 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 Black Woman Speaks of White Womanhood, a Negro woman. She said, He took you with the lying tongue. Mm -hmm. He took me with the chain and gun. Mm -hmm. So he. He lied to you and and put you up on a pedestal, mm -hmm. and then you uh, so your stuff didn't stink no more, <laughs> you know. So you were you know, mm -hmm. whereas with me took the lion, took you with the lion tongue, took me with the chain and mm -hmm. <clears throat> so that. And I remember in 1966, Abby Lincoln, who became. Uh, 
Amanata Mosaka mm-hmm. was married to uh, the great drummer. I can't think of the name right now. In fact, they had uh, twin girls. Yeah. Um, You're not talking about Max Roach. Max right? Roach, right? Yes. Initially, um, she's a who will revere the Negro woman. Mm. You know, and it was in you uh, in Jet a Negro Digest. Who will revere the Negro woman? So of course, people want to be revered. You know. Mm-hmm. Uh, but one of the things that uh, was happening then was a way that you men treated women. Hmm. And my brother would say to me, you make sure she gets hers. I didn't even know what, what hers was. <laughs> but I mean, he started he means He means in a sexual sense. Yeah, right. Now that is quite forward thinking. Yeah, but he, he would always say, you make sure she gets hers first. Mm-hmm. And I thought, what is hers? Right. I didn't even Where know. is hers? I don't know. Can what we it. go pick it up together? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> in the middle of an interview, let me call you back. <laughs> All right, bye bye. <laughs> Call Andy again. Mm-hmm. Um, so, um, so, but me and then he says a black man, and and that's interesting too because we weren't using the word black, but sometimes generically we would say black, mm-hmm. black people, uh, and then, but for emphasis, black. A black man always keeps his uh, his kicks and his sky together. My brother would tell me that over mm. and over. You have your shoes shine, you have a nice hat on. Okay. Uh, you have it blocked, you know, mm-hmm. and you got it rimmed. Mm-hmm. So that's what a black man did. And, uh, you know, you were a gentleman. I mean, we, 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 there was a kind of gentleman. We read GQ. Mm-hmm. Went to the drugstore, read GQ. Okay, we would see Jimmy Stewart, we would see Humphrey Bogart, mm-hmm. we would see, you know, I could go on and name, you know, name 15, mm-hmm. 30 more. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then we would alter it. In other words, they, <clears throat> they would be dressed to kill, and mm-hmm. we would too, but we would put on some white bucks. <laughs> right. <laughs> They'd be dressed to kill, and we would too, but we would like drop the, uh, drop the kerchief. Mm-hmm. Hang it, right? Mm-hmm. They'd be clean, and we would too, but uh, we might put on suspenders, mm-hmm. or we might not put on suspenders, mm-hmm. or we might roll the cuffs. You know, mm-hmm. we wore Stacy. They weren't wearing them as much. Mm-hmm. You know, they might be Italian. Stacy Adams shoes. Yeah, Stacy Adams shoes, mm-hmm. right? Which you call old man, old men shoes. Mm-hmm. We used to call them. Um, and I remember being at a Kwanzaa several years ago and a sister came to me and she said, brother, you are the classic example of consciousness and and the black male tradition. And I said, why? She said, I've never seen a brother with an Akbata, a Kufi, an African uh, pants on mm-hmm. and Stacey Adams. <laughs> She said, "Most of the brothers, they they got sandals, right, 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 or 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 boots, you know, mm-hmm. like what." Mm-hmm. And she said, "I really like that." Mm-hmm. Um, but but I said, "So it's you know it's picking up on where I, where I, where I came from." Mm-hmm. And uh, my poem about my father, written in like what sixty nine seventy, white silk socks. Mm. And when I wrote it, my brother said, "You didn't miss a beat," you know, when I described him, mm-hmm. you know. 
because that was a point when, I mean, men, people today wouldn't think of wearing white silk socks. Mm-hmm. But there was a point when that was really the apex of style mm-hmm. for a black man. Mm-hmm. Silk socks. And, you know, pimps wore them, so they might have gotten them from... So that was part of... Uh, part of uh, the, tr- the tradition. Mm-hmm. It was street. It was pimps. Mm-hmm. It was, it was, so the uh, exchange between yeah. uh, the people who hadn't chosen the street right. and the street. Right. All the time. And, and, and the nickname. Then you were, you were, you, you expressed pride and some chagrin <laughs> at nicknames. At nicknames. Yeah. And now, you know, my brother was Big Red. Okay. I was Little Red. I really loved that. Mm-hmm. And now people call me Big Red and my nephew's Little Red, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. It's just passed on. And Red is very important in the black community because Red is a red nigga. Right. You know, <laughs> you're a reddish <laughs> like, Indian, Indian. Like Malcolm X. You're, Indi- you're an Indian Negro. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But also Redmond. Mm-hmm. So you could be, you know, so it was, it was a doublah. <laughs> right. And... Uh, so, so you got your nickname, uh, you got your you got your clothes, you know the men fawned over you when you got ready for the prom, sort of like what I did with with Ram, you mm-hmm. know, and teaching you how to tie tie and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. They fawned over you. I mean, they really did. I mm-hmm. mean, they got you ready. They got you a car. You know what I mean? You worked on your car for half of a day. Mm-hmm. Your uncle's car, your brother's car, or or the the car the man down the street the businessman who had two cars mm-hmm. you belong to one and and uh, all this this and that and so on and um so so all of that was um uh how how to um how to protect yourself so everybody had boxing lessons mm-hmm. i don't know anybody didn't have boxing lessons hmm. yeah because boxing was central see it's not as central now as it was then. Mm-hmm. you know because you got you got the hip hop culture and all the other mm-hmm. music didn't play the same role it plays now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, music for us was crooning and dancing, mm-hmm. okay, and 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 clarity. Every word was understood, mm-hmm. okay. Now, uh, uh, but 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 the roles of. Heroes and sheroes shifted over time mm-hmm. with the advance, event, and advancement of media. Mm-hmm. Okay, mm-hmm. that's 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 so important. Yeah, because when we started taking, uh, uh, doing polls in the black community as to ranking uh, influences, mm-hmm. uh, you know, the preacher was at the top, mm. the teacher, the police person, the parents. Mm-hmm. You, can you imagine? A poll now, putting that, putting policemen way up there? <laughs> no, <laughs> absolutely not. But you know, another. I mean, thing, even yeah. the black policemen in East St. Louis, no. Yeah. No, but but I mean that is the poll because we were not hermetically sealed, but close to it. But close to it. Yeah. But you know what else you just made me think of was. There's a lot less of a gulf between the classes. So when you talked about the exchange between the pimps and, you know, just for alliteration, the preachers, the pimps and the preachers, um, 
what I it seems to me the way I the way I experience lived black life nowadays yeah. is that I am so far from the sister who operates a weed business. I'm so far from the sex worker. I'm so far from the black woman who may have a, a, a little brothel going. We weren't. I'm, I'm, right, I'm so far from the woman who yeah. uh, strips or who's at the, the titty bar, as, the, as yeah. they say, <laughs> where it seems like you guys weren't so far from the people who were in the illegal economy. No. There was no... See, there was no uh, no choice. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> I mean, no, the... Uh, and that's why... I mean, you are not going to go near a, a white school and try to lure girls if you're a predator. Mm-hmm. You're not going to go near a white high school and sell drugs mm-hmm. if you're a, a drug dealer. Mm-hmm. But <clears throat> we were compressed. Mm-hmm. Everybody was anybody. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and everybody who was anybody was together. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so you had the Gold Coast. Mm-hmm. I remember going to, <laughs> to Louisiana, going to do all the, I mean, uh, Baton Rouge to teach for two summers. And the Gold Coast was just two or three blocks right down the street in the hood. Mm-hmm. Okay. We had the same thing. Maybe Tudor, where streets were, where the street was paid. Or Piggott, mm-hmm. I mean, or Bond, which was the premier street for black people in the 20s. Mm-hmm. You know, that's where uh, Nat Turner's granddaughters who taught mm-hmm. lived. That's where the doctors lived. That's where you had your drug stores. Mm-hmm. That's where you had, you know. Uh, <clears throat> but it was all here. We, mm-hmm. we were all south of the Mason-Dixon line in East St. Louis. Mm-hmm. So now, um, you know, you get to see it. You know, I, I mean, I, I I got to see the best because, you know, I went there. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? I went out. And, but but you didn't. The best for us <clears throat> was a brick house down the street. Mm-hmm. You know, I remember if you had a brick house, you were very high up mm-hmm. in the black community. Mm-hmm. I Even as a child, you I remember that being... So, Something my grandmother talked about. Sure. And um, if you had a brick home, a brick house, that was that was uh, an achievement. And if you had a husband who sat you down. Mm-hmm. I'm turning it down. I don't know. My dad is answering the phone. Yeah, if you had a brick home and if you had a husband that sat you down where you didn't have to work. That That's was, right. That That's was right. amazing. That's right. And, and you know, everybody had a husband. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? The difference. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I, I was kind of unusual mm-hmm. at not having a father, mm-hmm. you know, after a while. Mm-hmm. But I had a father. My name was Redmond. My, my, my grandma's name was Quinn. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I had a father. Uh, people know I had a father. People know a mother died. Mm-hmm. The people who knew the family knew that the father was somewhere and that there was some trouble. Mm-hmm. You know, there'd been some trouble. <clears throat> but <clears throat> the, 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 the question of a father or a mother and father 
or husband and wife or a, a family unit, mm -hmm. uh, that was moot. Mm -hmm. Because almost every, you know, on down the street on both sides of me, the Howards, uh, the, the Maddoxes, the uh, uh, the Bonners, the Cole, I mean, you know, the Johnsons, the, mm -hmm. the Gregory, everybody, everybody had a family. Mm -hmm. Everybody had a father. Everybody had a mother. Mm -hmm. And then there was these individual situations mm -hmm. where they didn't. Mm -hmm. But the overwhelming majority <coughs> of the people around me when I was when I was growing up, you know, the overwhelming majority of the homes had as fathers and mothers. Mm -hmm. Earlier you mentioned the names of some of the men that, that shaped you and provided models. Yeah. But you kind of hinted at that, that they had nicknames. Yeah. And, and nicknaming is big. I was actually just talking about this <coughs> to a group of little kids, uh, fourth graders and fifth graders uh, from Moline Elementary in St. Louis and from New City uh, School in St. Louis. And I read them, actually, the poem I named East St. Louis, which features you as a little boy in it. Mm -hmm. And there's that point where I say, uh, Red, Papa Coon, Gay Gay, Junior, Nisi, your babies, you call to them. And so you had some nicknames that you were mentioning. Mm -hmm. What were some of the nicknames that? Around? Mm -hmm. You mean just prevailing? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, Dillinger. Uh, was he good with a gun? Well, no, it was it was after the 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 uh, you know the mobster. Okay. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Dillinger. <laughs> uh, Jew baby. <laughs> J E W Jew baby. <laughs> but why? Well, <clears throat> he was an older guy. Well, that that's an interesting. It kind of name mm -hmm. because people would you hear people say things like, I Jewed him down, right? Right, you know, right. Before is, it was gauche, yeah, to use somebody's ethnicity as a as a handle, as an right. indication, as a direction, exactly. A signal, exactly. yeah, uh, yes, uh, 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 a register, mm -hmm. their register on the scale of life. So, was he, <laughs> was he financially capable? Yeah, well, well, uh, he, he, carried, he carried money. Mm, okay, he, I he get carried, it. He carried uh, stashes. Yes, I know. get it. <laughs> and, you know, one of the things you learned was to get you a couple of big bills, put them on the front, and then cut you some newspaper because it looks like money. <laughs> so that clip can be fat. Yeah, so you pull it out and you pull off one of the mm -hmm. couple of bills on top. And, you know, like, nigga, I buy you. <laughs> I buy your ass. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> And, and it was while somebody would, would, would drop it and before they put the clip back on it, all these all these cut pieces of newspaper. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so oh my Lord. <clears throat> but anyway, um so yeah, and it was um uh uh blue. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um <clears throat> excuse me. Um, Bubba, mm -hmm. Bay Bay, mm -hmm. um, uh, just on and on and on. Mm -hmm. um, the, um, in fact, in my, 
in the book that I'm doing on these things, Lord, I mean, you know, a whole chapter on nicknames. Mm. And what I do is pass out. I haven't done it recently, but you might want to. You might want to pass uh, around mm-hmm. a sheet at, uh, to your class and say, "List nicknames. You don't have to name the people. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, Big Red, Little Red, Yellow Boy. You know." High yellow, you know. Mm-hmm. There was certain, you know, that was a kind of black person, but also there were people who had nicknames. High yellow, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, uh, dirty black, mm-hmm. big black, yeah. White right. boy, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, or just black. Yeah. <clears throat> Sunshine. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Stone. Uh, nigger baby. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 And you know, um, it seems to me like that's been taken. Live a lip. Right, right. That's been taken to high art by hip hop. That's right. Because everybody raps under an assumed name. That's right. And when you said Dillinger, I thought about um, yeah. Capone and Noriega. Yeah. Those were very famous rappers. Right. And then there was Tupac who came from that revolutionary family yeah. and he named all of his, um, everybody took everybody in, um, the outlaws, which is what he called his, his group. Mm-hmm. Um, they had the names of, uh, African leaders. Yeah. Um, so there was a Qaddafi. There was somebody rapping under the name Qaddafi. <laughs> I think there yeah. might've been a Saddam. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so yeah, yeah. It's interesting. Sundown. Mm. I mean, it just goes on and on, you know. Um, some, some are named after characteristics. Mm. Uh, some, uh, one of my nicknames, uh, nickname was Hurricane. Because mm. I had inscribed Hurricane on my uh, junior high school football helmet. Mm. Because I was uh, uh, admiring a boxer named Hurricane. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, so there, uh, uh, the uh, one of the boxers was called Motor City. Well, well, we're talking about people around me. Mm-hmm. So that that was um, uh, those were some of the names, and 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 uh, some were created, yeah, create our personality. Now later, as I talked about this, all these names, you know, mm-hmm. uh, I spoke of traditions in African. Uh, uh, cultures whereby you're given two names and you give you give one name initially and then you're named later as you emerge somewhat mm. yeah so mm-hmm. you, you always have two names you have a secret name and you have a uh, uh, or a private name and a public name mm-hmm. and so I trace the nicknaming uh, tradition to that mm-hmm. you know my lectures and songs mm-hmm. um, that's a beautiful lineage and yeah. I love the way it continues to repeat itself because uh, when I was talking to the fifth graders one was from a predominantly black school and one was from a pretty diverse school uh, that would have more white students and it was all black children who raised their hands to say nicknames okay so it continues yeah yeah Mm -hmm. yeah it it, uh that'll never go away (laughs) no it won't yeah yeah that'll never go away (laughs) and uh, sometimes it's a high high booty. Mm-hmm. That was a, I <laughs> high booty, low booty. Yeah, 
And even, you know, you get like uh, one of the dancers at the time was Booty Green. Mm-hmm. The Booty Green. I mean, that's 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 very uh, interesting. That was mm-hmm. interesting, the etymology of that. The right. Booty Green. Like <laughs> <clears throat> and, um, and even the implications of something like stepping or stepper. Mm-hmm. You know, if somebody knew somebody named Stepper. Mm-hmm. And... Um, Hmm. Yeah, so it it went on, it went on and on, and 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 um, we uh, I've got hundreds of nicknames, and I I need to start doing it again because that would bring it up to the current. Right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and a lot of the ones you said, I grew up with people with those nicknames. Sure, too. sure. Um, they, um, I'm trying to remember this one guy who uh, is called. Uh, and 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 some nicknames can be cruel, you know. Can they, mm-hmm. they 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 take, they come off the landscape of the body. Yeah. You know, like some kind of a disfigurement mm-hmm. or, or some kind of flaw in your in your personality. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Or a perceived flaw mm-hmm. in your personality or in your birth, mm-hmm. you know, a birthmark. Mm-hmm. You know. Mm-hmm. Um, mm. But. Um, so so and also that joning and signifying the verbal sparring, which is a key feature of my lecture about socialization uh, processes among black people mm-hmm. and proof called premarital dating behavior mm-hmm. ritual. Mm-hmm. Yeah, very important. Uh, how we and I talked about it to those kids yesterday. I said I could stand here and uh, lecture for an hour and. Uh, what we what we call in our lectures African English. Mm. Uh, we say we uh, we speak in English and think in African, or we speak English with an African accent. Mm-hmm. I said this is a formal way of talking. That's what I did mm-hmm. for forty five years. I, this what I'm saying to you now is how I made my living. Mm-hmm. So that, but then we had to put these, as I said, fifty and seventy five cent words on on the wisdom of the people. Yeah. That's one of the real interesting aspects of education. Mm. That all education, all subject matter evolves from that. Mm-hmm. You look at something, and you see how it operates, then you create a discovery around it. Mm-hmm. Okay. The person who's doing it's been doing it for you know, in terms of the lineage. You know, right. Three hundred years. And now you come up with something called Mechanics, <laughs> right, right, or black English vernacular, that's right, or that's a culture right. of nicknaming, yeah, or black maleness, black manhood, that's right, and all, and 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 uh, what's that one that I really uh, didn't care for? Uh, it's uh, ebonics. No, not well. The ebonics, not that I didn't care for it. I disagreed when it was when it when it was born. I said. The problem is it has nothing to do with sound. Right, the sound, the the word yeah. ebony phonics, yeah. but that it just wasn't cre- blackish. It, right, yeah. it wasn't it wasn't uh, created by linguists. No, it wasn't. It was psychologists, right, and some English teachers were involved, but not linguists. Right, and that's why I argued with Williams and others about it. Like, no, that doesn't get the sound of black people. Right, it doesn't even get the it doesn't even get the uh, uh, the the look of black people. Right, it just means black. Right. <laughs> Right. Yeah. Well, as usual, this conversation has been uh, rich and instructive. 
And I hope that everyone listening has enjoyed the memoir, My Dad Wouldn't Write. <laughs>